Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This show is radio's answer to culinary conversation and inspiration. I'm all about the culture of food and living the best life. And so we celebrate delicious dishes every weekend and their ability to feed the soul. I dish with chefs and TV foodies, artisans, and entrepreneurs, those that are dedicated to the craft of fine cuisine and those that love the casual. I talk about trends and travel, health, the environment, wine, mixology, and more. And I'm all about feeding your soul. So whether you love to cook or love to eat, you are bound to find something you will love on this show. And you can always visit chefjamie.com for recipes and cooking videos and more to take your cooking skills to the next level level. Now, every weekend we heat it up in your radio with grand guests and chef's tips to make your dishes come alive with flavor because my goal is to satiate your appetite. But every day you'll find some shameless deliciousness on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I hope that you'll become a friend and a fan. This is insightful information to make every day scrumptious. So here goes. We have a full plate this hour. But first, I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts. And whether you're frying shiitakes or layering creminis into a beautiful buttery tart or going all out with earthy morels, I have a mushroom recipe for you. I love mushrooms and I'm ushering in fall with the idea that those wonderful umami flavors are coming back into play. So this is a mushroom recap. Did you get it? Yeah. Love that. Okay, me too. Uh, And I hope that it gives you some insight, some inspiration, that it motivates marvelous mushrooms into all of your dishes. Now, from the poisonous to the delectable and familiar, there are enough mushroom varieties out there to fill, uh, I don't know, many a cookbook, you could say. Um, And we all recognize many of those varieties, in fact. Uh, But if you want to know your way around chanterelles and shiitakes and porcinis and some of the finer mushrooms, um, then I think that you can dramatically change the flavor of a dish that is mushroom-centric. I think mushrooms are very exciting, and they can be intimidating to some great cooks. So to help eliminate the guesswork, here are some answers to your most pondered mushroom questions. You see, I posted a survey on social media to collect your mushroom intrigue, and this is my best chef's feedback. So here goes. Mushrooms 101, a recap for fall. What should I look for when buying mushrooms? A much asked question, in fact. The biggest indicator, uh, by the way, of mushroom quality and freshness is moisture. So mushrooms that are fresh um, should feel dry and firm to the touch. 
as they age and they begin to break down, they get that sort of wet, slimy texture. You don't want any wet spots, of course, no discoloration if possible. And a little bit of dirt on the mushroom is not an indicator of quality, although it is to me an indicator of freshness. It also requires a little more cleaning down the line, but that's okay. Look for mushrooms that are, and hopefully you're buying them in bulk at the farmer's market or the supermarket, and you can touch and feel them that are dry first and foremost. That's paramount. Now, once you buy your dry mushrooms, the second most asked question in my survey was, should I wash them? It seems only reasonable to question that, right? And you may have heard, never, ever, ever under any circumstances, submerge your mushrooms in water. Well, the argument is that mushrooms are extremely porous, right? So they will absorb extra moisture. But tests by great food scientists have been done over and over again. And there is really very little absorption that takes effect. It will not affect your cooking, per my research. So if you've got a really dirty batch of mushrooms, throw them into a colander and give them a rinse in the sink. Now, for those that seem clean, uh, a damp or even dry paper towel will do the job. Now, as for storing mushrooms, because of their high moisture content once again, and because they will spoil quickly, the best way to store them is with circulation. So a paper bag is optimal when storing mushrooms. But if you don't have one, I recommend a resealable plastic bag with a paper towel in it to absorb moisture and the mushrooms, of course. And I recommend keeping the bag open, like fold over the top, in fact, and let the air circulate. You can even close it halfway if you feel that your fridge is blowing cold, but you do want them to be able to breathe. And then the most important question asked in my culinary opinion, what is the best way to cook mushrooms? Well, Uh, Individual recipes vary, of course. I think there are lots of wonderful ways to cook mushrooms, but a saute pan over high heat is my first go-to. And there is a great chef's tip that I've shared before, but I can't wait to reiterate now. So get your pen ready or your fingers in your notes app uh, or however it is that you log information. The greatest secret I have to making the best sautéed mushrooms, and I like my mushrooms caramelized and golden, and I like them to have a crispy exterior in places, is to wait to salt. You see, these mushrooms are so porous, all of them in fact, that you need them over high heat to give off their natural liquid, where that water content evaporates and the mushroom flavors compound before you add salt, which by the way, leaches liquid. So we want to get the mushrooms reasonably dry before we salt and pepper. If you haven't been sauteing mushrooms that way, I will tell you, uh, they really will come alive with flavor. Like this might actually change your life. So try it out and let me know. You can always email me by the way, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, 
at chefjamie.com. Now, for many years, the only commercial mushroom grown in the U.S. was that round-capped button mushroom that we still love today, right? But I love the availability of fresh mushrooms during the fall, autumn, winter season, I do love the dried form as well. You reconstitute them in hot water in a bowl. I think the longer the better, in fact, because the texture definitely improves. And might I recommend that you save the infused water. You can strain it, of course, and then use it in a sauce for a beautiful steak or to enrich a soup. Now, each mushroom has its own flavor, right? But they all universally pair very well with the onion family, especially garlic and shallot. And I think that they benefit from a touch of acid as well, lemon juice, citrus juice, even vinegar, if you like. And a touch of heat often lends itself nicely, red pepper flakes or, you know, your hot source of choice. And That olive oil, maybe garlic, uh, your favorite mushroom, salt and pepper, that simple saute preparation is just enough for an addition to pasta or for stir-fried vegetables or to throw into an Asian noodle dish or to strew atop meats or fish. Um, I like to roast them, by the way, too. Uh, I do them in the oven or in my air fryer, and I'm all about high heat, 400 degrees and above to evaporate the moisture and really create that truly delectable flavor. And so that is your lesson in mushrooms. If you're looking for recipe inspiration, try my wild mushroom risotto. I make a grilled portobello burger that's so good. And a caramelized mushroom tart. Uh, You can make it large or mini that I think is a beautiful way to bring on a fall feast. Those recipes are posted, by the way, at chefjamie.com. All right, with that said, there is lots more really delicious advice when it comes to fabulous food coming up in your radio. She is the much-loved and popular blogger from Fed and Fit. Her name is Cassie Joy Garcia, and she's all about no-rules wellness. Also... For centuries, Chinese women have viewed collagen as a fountain of youth. Do you use it in a powder or a liquid form? Well, we have some really interesting and updated information on how you should be consuming that collagen. Lisa Lin, our resident fitness expert. So don't touch your dial. Grab a snack. Come on back. We'll take a quick break. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm glad you're here. Don't go away. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, heating it up with grand guests and gastronomic pleasures. I have long followed the great blogger and now so much more, Cassie Joy Garcia. She actually had a blog, as she says in her book, and I love it, uh, back when you had to explain to people what a blog was, actually. And she's known for her popular No Rules Wellness. She has this extraordinary theory 
that we're all overcomplicating and overcommitting. And I agree. She's guiding us through how to make dinner an easier process. And who wouldn't love that? In her third best-selling cookbook to release, the new book, Cook Once, Dinner Fix, is really brilliant, giving you insight and inspiration through Cassie Joy's passion as to how to put dinner on the table delightfully for your family. And she does arm you with confidence in her prowess in the kitchen and lots of delectable recipes. Already a bestseller on Amazon, the recipes are really phenomenal. In the book, Cook Once, Dinner Fix, and Cassie Joy Garcia is here to dish, and I am delighted. Cassie Joy, it's the first time you've graced the show, which seems terribly wrong to me, so welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. Congratulations. The book is fabulous. I I started reading, I mean, you know, page by page, and I became very immersed in the, the concept and your mindset to it all. And I've always thought of you in, you know, reading your blog and following you as a very positive person, but the, the cookbook feels that to me. I, you should be very proud. Kudos to you. I mean, it's really, it's a beautiful manuscript. That really means a lot. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. Uh, tell your story for those that don't know you, please, because you've had your struggles and you really transformed those struggles into a pay it forward approach. Yes. You know, I started Fed and Fit as a personal blog a little over 10 years ago. (laughs) And it was really in an effort to share some of my lessons learned. I find that when it comes to learning lessons in the kitchen and also as it relates to my own health and wellness, I tend to take the windier path. (laughs) And I thought, gosh, if I could help someone just shave off a few of these corners and get to these ahas a little bit more quickly, then what a what an honor to be able to do that. And so that's really the spirit with which I started Fed and Fit was to share recipes that I had found that were really empowering me in the kitchen, empowering my health uh, as I uh, turned over a new leaf, so to speak, there. And then as time went on, how I was just able to pull together an easier, more straightforward mealtime experience for my family. I feel the strategy in the book, which for me and my type of personality and yours, I know because I can very much relate, it is a very strategic plan, but it is with little stress. And you are all about transformation in a lot of ways. You've transformed yourself. You've transformed mealtime. You transform dinner for your family every night, and you're sharing that. That is the concept, right? You're, you're all about trying to make it easier, and scrumptiously delicious. Yes, that's exactly right. That's my hope, (laughs) is that, you know, dinner, night after night, whether it was, I thought that there were two main options to getting a meal on the table for my family, and I didn't like either one. The first one, or neither one of them felt sustainable to me, I should say. The first option was to meal prep a bunch of food in advance on the weekend, Hmm. and I didn't want to cash in that much of my weekend away right. as a working mom sure. away from my kiddos in order to pull that off. And then even if I did meal prep and I put the time and effort in, by Wednesday, to be totally honest, I'm pretty bored with what I'd made mm. <laughs> and not all that excited about it. And then the other option was to make a fresh from scratch involved dinner every single night. And while that might have been something that I could gravitate towards 
in the past. Now, as a mother of a, you know, two very young ones, soon to be three, it is mm. a total, this uh, dinner time tends to overlap with when my kids need me the most. Right. <laughs> and so um, I've really had to put my creative thinking hat on and how do I get this fresh homemade dinner on the table, but with less effort. And you've done it beautifully. And as a mommy, I can tell you, I very much understand that concept that that late in the afternoon time, when all of a sudden, as a chef myself, and you have a a true joy for food, as a chef myself, I start thinking, oh, pour a glass of wine and make dinner. Um, no, uh uh-uh. It just doesn't work that way. And for so many of us trying to put dinner on the table, now that we're back to school, now that we're opening up again and, you know, starting to uh, be a bit more social, entertain, uh, plan for the holidays, that couple of hours is a daunting couple of hours to try to fix a meal, uh, feed fast, get everybody nourished, and then, you know, finish out the night. And so your concept is really very well-rounded for a night-after-night discovery of delicious dishes. I love that you talk about them as quick and exciting ways to transform tonight's dinner into tomorrow's feast. At the start of the book, you say, never throw your leftovers away. That's right. You know, I think that when we have leftovers that we're not excited about, we could, if we could turn back time, right? Right. And maybe just make a slightly smaller dinner or a dinner to just feed the family tonight and then reserve those main components in their more basic form, already cooked and prepared, but in a basic form, then it gives us more options to use them in the future. So, for example, if you're pulling together a meal that calls for ground beef, instead of making an extra large I'm going to say enchilada casserole because that's something that we serve pretty often in my home. Instead of making an extra large enchilada casserole that we're going to be eating off for at least two full meals in my family, I say let's have this, create the exact amount we need tonight, and then use that ground beef and transform it into a teriyaki-style stir-fry and serve it over some fluffy white rice Mm. for a totally different meal experience that comes together so quickly because the ground beef is already prepared. Okay, so talk to us about how you do that. So we know the idea of, you know, the one meal becomes two. You're buying two portions of family quantity of ground beef. Do you cook it all off in general? Do you cook all the protein off the first day and then intend to use it for two nights? Correct. That's exactly what I do. Okay, and so let's say, for instance... Uh, Okay, I chose meals. Let's do this, if we may. I selfishly chose a chicken, a beef, a pork, and a vegetarian from your book that I will make first. Then I will follow with the rest, of course. But I love a perfect roast chicken on Sunday night. I love Sunday supper. You have a couple of them in here. The roasted chicken with those crispy fries and the fresh arugula salad is beautiful. But I'm almost more excited for meal two with the butter chicken bowl over white rice, where I've got this Indian infusion of flavors and the chicken becomes completely something new uh, with this creamy, I love butter chicken sauce, right? Okay, Cassie Joy, you're making me hungry. We'll take a quick break. You'll please stay with us. When we come back, there is more from Cassie Joy Garcia, Cook Once. It's a dinner fix. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with the best culinary minds right after this.
We're back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Cook Once Dinner Fix, the new cookbook release from Cassie Joy Garcia, is the most fabulous way to plan an entire week of meals all at once. And Cassie Joy is here and she's providing dinner inspiration. Do you cook the chicken off? Walk us through it. Yes. Okay. So what we're going to do is throw for meal one, we're going to throw this whole chicken into the oven and roast it at the same time as those potatoes that we plan on serving with mm. meal number one. Yes. And this whole chicken comes out and I, you would have leaned into have doing done the math for how much you need to feed your family already, right? Whether that's one chicken in the oven or two chickens in the oven, all right? And so we roast this beautiful chicken, and it comes out, and we have this lovely meal with a fresh arugula salad. However, we have half of that roasted chicken left over, all right? It was unused for meal one intentionally, Mm -hmm. and that gets stored away into the refrigerator. And I actually like to alternate my dinner fix meals so that I'll do poultry tonight. Let's say if it's in the middle of the week and then two days later, for example, I'll plan on having the second meal in that series. Oh, smart. And so when I'm ready for poultry again, I then start on this delicious butter chicken sauce, this Indian-inspired dish. Mm. And the meat from the legs and the thighs and the wings, which I have reserved from that roasted chicken, which are already cooked, I've pulled off the bone and I fold those. I toast them in a little bit of butter or ghee and then fold that into the butter chicken sauce and serve it over white rice. And so, again, that second meal comes together so quickly because the chicken is actually already cooked. Of course. So smart. So, so smart. And I love the ethnic infusion. I mean, you're a Texas girl, so I definitely... I feel that uh, that enchilada uh, adoration throughout the book, but there are casseroles. There's Indian inspiration. There's uh, a nod to really delicious Asian food, and then there's a, a tribute to the classics. I mean, to make a perfect roast chicken on Sunday that goes a long way. Um, and yeah, I really love the concept of it. Um, okay, if my mom makes brisket, which we do it in the Jewish style, there might be nothing better. It becomes a, a Mongolian beef bowl in your house. And again, meal two, very excited about. I am really excited about this dinner series. I'm really glad you chose this one. <laughs> so yes, I walk you through how, what a way to make a what I'm calling is a classic brisket. Yes. And Something that I think is interesting to call out about Cook One's Dinner Fix, that's dinner from other recipe books, is that these recipes are actually complete meals. That was a big request from readers that I have is, well, this is fantastic. The brisket sounds great, but what do I serve it with? Hmm. And if my goal is to help reduce the, you know, the decision fatigue that you're feeling throughout your day, then I want to be able to provide you with a complete meal. So this classic brisket has recipes for a delicious, easy mashed potato, gravy, and asparagus. And then the plan for leftover brisket is then pan-seared. This dish is so, so delicious. I'm so glad you chose it. It looks so good. It's so good. These Mongolian-style beef bowls are fantastic. This sauce is just what you want. It's just sticky and sweet. And a little salty, briny, it's delicious. And we, again, serve it over a white rice. But you're able to use, I actually love brisket for this meal in particular. And I've made a Mongolian beef bowl like this 
using a different cut of meat. And honestly, I prefer the brisket that's already cooked. It's just really fantastic. I've never used brisket in this method or preparation. So I can't wait to make it. Like you said, I mean, I can't imagine how tender the meat is itself because that long, slow cook on a brisket is brilliant. But then when you crisp up the edges and you've got this sort of salty, savory, umami bomb of a sauce, talk about you, uh, a coconut aminos fan. This is where your fit side of fed and fit comes in. And I noticed them throughout the book. Uh, wax poetic, if you would, on a few of those sort of uh, back pocket ingredients that are your go-tos. Yes. You know, that's actually... That really is a leftover from those uh, earlier days of extremely health-forward recipe development that I used to do. Some of them stuck, and coconut aminos is one of them. I still think taking a bottle of coconut aminos is probably one of my favorite ways to make some of these Asian-inspired dishes or a teriyaki-style sauce mm-hmm. is just taking a bottle of coconut aminos and reducing them in a pan until it thickens, and it takes maybe 10 minutes, but it is... I, I have yet to find a sauce, especially because I, I personally have to be gluten-free. And so it's been challenging to find a sauce that really scratches that same niche, and that's one of my favorites. So you'll find that in there. Yeah. What else, what else do you go to in your pantry that, that I might not reach for right away? Oh, goodness. Some other ones that I go, I'm, I'm actually sitting in my pantry talking to you. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> So I get to just wheel my chair around. Said by a mom. I love it. Yes, exactly. Out of sight. Um, Oh, goodness. You know, when I really, there's some really great all-purpose gluten-free flours that I really adore right now. Um, But I think that, I don't know if you've ever tried nutritional yeast flakes, but those are another really... Yes. Wait, on, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I got excited because I now can plan for this evening's movie night. Do you know I put nutritional yeast on popcorn, Cassie Joy? It's delicious. We're on the same page. Yes. Oh, so good. Yes, that's exactly it. I was just looking at the giant jar that I've got, and we have that <laughs> uh, because, well, it's a great source of B vitamins. My holistic yes. nutritionist can't help but say that. The, the, the person in you know, my other professional hat that I wear. But my daughters both love popcorn and a sprinkle of that. It just makes it even more of a healthy treat. You know, I've not tried that with my son. So thank you. You've inspired me. It is absolutely delicious. If you've just tuned in, by the way, you're late. Cassie Joy Garcia is here, a three-time cookbook author, a very much beloved blogger, a social media influencer, and more. As you heard her mention, uh, she wears multiple hats. And so as uh, not only an extraordinary cook and one who has a great joy for food, she is the creative force behind the popular food blog Fed and Fit. She, since the inception of it, has become a holistic nutrition consultant and her recipe testing, her healthy homemade dinners are all very sought after. Her third cookbook just released, already an Amazon bestseller entitled Cook Once, Dinner Fix, is what we're dishing on. Um, I found your beef chili with cheddar corn muffins, Cassie Joy, and then I saw the green curry. I, we have a beef bowl uh, theme going here, but it really is a testament to the fact that a bowl filled with fluffy rice or roasted veggies as the base and then protein on top is a really wonderful way to fill 
I should say, to feed your soul. It really is. You know, when I was developing this dinner series in particular, I was thinking about the time of year when we would probably want a bowl of beef chili with some cheddar corn muffins. Yes, right now. Over, <laughs> Right now, isn't it? And it probably overlaps with if, you know, again, in my mind, I'm thinking two days later when we're ready for shredded beef again. Right. It probably overlaps with a time when I would love a big bowl of green curry. Mm, yeah, so good. So good. That's another pantry staple. I keep jars of Thai curry paste because sometimes I find even like a tomato soup needs a a little you know, buzz of flavor or that curry paste really comes into play. Sometimes I'll um, mix it into a spread for the top of salmon. It is a pack a punch flavor profile that is one of my go-tos that I really love. I love it. I'm looking at a jar of it right now. I will thin mine with lime juice and sometimes I'll even add a little coconut, full fat coconut milk to yes. it and turn it into a marinade or even, a, a, if I could thin it out a little bit more, a dressing. Yeah, d- delicious. Um, it is so chock full of insight, inspiration, content, uh, and love. The book Cook Once, Dinner Fix, the new release from Cassie Joy Garcia. You just have to see it. Um, aside from the fact that there is a nutritional analysis for each recipe broken down, it solves the question of what's for dinner. But there are recommendations for substitutions, for uh, making the dish gluten-free, for living grain-free, for low-carb, for dairy-free, uh, for vegetarian, as we mentioned. And it, it really is a, a playlist for dinner. And as we embark on the fall season and into winter. And as we close out this year, what a wonderful way to have Cassie Joy by your side. This book is really brilliant, Cassie. Uh, congratulations to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it really is. Um, to continued success, we hope you will come back on this show, seeing that you've not graced it before, but now you've been here. Now you have an open invitation. I'd be so honored. Thank you. Good. Please do. The book, a bestseller, already five-star rated on Amazon entitled Cook Once, Dinner Fix. She is Cassie Joy Garcia. Cassie Joy, a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your passion. Thank you for having me. I'll see you again soon, I hope, or we'll hear you again soon, I hope. There is lots more delicious conversation in your radio, so I'm sure we've made you hungry. Grab a snack, come on back. Chef Jamie Wen, don't go away. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. We have incredible culinary thinkers on this show, so be glad you're here because you're in for a treat. My next guest has been coined the mad scientist of fast casual, but Adam Fleischman is not a chef or a restaurateur in the traditional sense. He's really a force to be reckoned with. A renegade self-taught cook, Adam utilized the savory fifth dimension of taste to heighten flavor and create a craveable menu using ingredients that are naturally rich in umami. He created ultimate versions of icons like his umami burger with port and stilton and the signature parmesan fondue we all love. And all of the recipes are made from the same umami pantry and shared 
in the much-anticipated first cookbook release from Adam Fleischman entitled Flavor Bombs. And let me tell you, this book is the bomb, and I am delighted that Adam is here to dish. It's been too long. How are you, Adam? I'm great, Jamie. How are you? (laughs) I'm well, too. Thank you. And I'm glad to have you here. Let's first have a discussion on umami, the word, the principle, the sense, the savory Where is umami? I love the introduction and the prologue of the book because you really dig deep. Yeah, so umami, um, you know, was the the last flavor to be discovered after um, sweet, sour, salty, and bitter. And, you know, it's always had this mystique to it. And I was hoping to sort of demystify it and show people that, you know, you could use all these ingredients that that are high in glutamates if you know what they are. And you can sort of get away from using recipes so much because you can, you know, use these interchangeably in a lot of recipes to, mm-hmm. to great effect. Everything in the book calls from that pantry, and, uh, you know, that pantry has some things that are very familiar, like soy sauce, but maybe some things that are not so familiar, like koji or, um, you know, special kinds of mushrooms or truffles that are much more accessible nowadays. Yes. Um, things like that that are just very easy for the home cook to use you know, to, to amp the recipes up. I love that you talk about glutamate-rich ingredients, some of which, like you just referenced, are things we wouldn't have thought of. Like uh, in Italian food, um, and you talk about the beauty of Italian cuisine and um, Japanese flavors, um, anchovies, serious umami, right? Um, yeah, anchovies, a lot of Italian chefs now are using um, fish sauce yes. a lot because that's an anchovy derivative. And even though it's it's uh, Asian. They still they still use it in their in their in their dishes. I actually very much believe in fish sauce. I happen to be an Asian food lover, but a drop or two gives you that can't put your finger on it, but man, that tastes good kind of flavor. Yep. Yeah, and you yep. just it's pure glutamate and uh, don't know it's there. Or flavor. Yeah, for sure. I know you're big on miso, uh, yeah. dried mushrooms. I I think that you probably uh, put them in the bath salt and you keep them in your pocket. Yep. My favorite ingredient, dried mushrooms. Yeah, no doubt. The best. The best. And then um, lots of nori and kombu and seaweed sort of uh, sea vegetable derivatives in your cooking. Definitely. Yes. Love all those things because they're, you know, they're subtle when they're used in, in judiciously. You can really um, put them in any dish and it really works really, really well. Yeah, but there's a richness to it. And I like that you talk about, you can't throw all the umami ingredients together in a dish, you say. Right. Like a burger is something that is, has a lot of umami, like a, like meat, but also something that's a neutral base, like a bun, or same with pizza, where you have the crust, and then you have the umami sort of playing off it. Also, the um, you know the perfect umami dish is sort of like a piece of nigiri sushi with tuna and rice, and just those two things, mm-hmm. but it works together. So it kind of bonds with its opposite and makes something more delicious. And in addition to the ingredients, you talk about techniques to amplify umami. So you can bring out the flavor of umami naturally. Definitely. There are certain things that just sort of react with umami. And one of my favorites is sherry wine, which is very popular in the bar these days. But mm-hmm. man, it works so great in fondues or in my crab recipes or yeah. things where you want to really amplify the umami. You just put some of that dry sherry in there or sweet sherry, depending on the recipe, and it mm. Blows it up. You heard it. The secret ingredient from Adam Fleischman. He's never without. By the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late. 
because we're talking flavor bombs, the umami ingredients that make taste explode. The book is just set to release from Adam Fleischman of Umami Burger fame. And let's delve into the recipes, Adam. Could you please teach us to make burnt miso? And explain why it is you're burning the miso itself. It's a one ingredient wonder. I love the ingredient list. It says miso, as much as you want to burn. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So miso is one of those things that has traditionally been used in Japanese food, but really works very, very well in sort of Italian and French dishes Mm -hmm. or any kind of braise. So I tend to, to use it a lot, but we realize that to sort of offset the pure umami nature of it, if you put it in your oven just, you know, on a silk pad or a piece of parchment paper and just burn it, then it, it adds another dimension to it. So we do a cocktail with burnt miso. We do, um, you know, we use it in lots of different things, and it just, it really is a versatile ingredient. Flavor Bombs by Adam Fleischman, the man behind the umami burger empire, uh, is the new cookbook soon to be available. Check it out and follow his umami journey at adam.fleischman on social. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious inspiration. Well, at least I hope you thought so. Every week, I will share the best of the food world with you, and I hope that you will sit down at the table and join me. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for this week. Of course, I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. Please check it out and become a friend on social at Chef Jamie Gwen, especially if you would like to steal my five-ingredient chicken tortilla soup. This is a totally streamlined recipe built mostly from pantry ingredients. It is quick. It is easy. It is satisfying. And this soup is delicious. What a wonderful way to welcome fall. If you have a rotisserie chicken or get your hands on one, this soup is super fast. You need some chicken stock, of course. You need preferably fire-roasted diced tomatoes in a can, which I always keep on hand for soups and chilies. And you need some sort of lovely sweet corn. Maybe it's the end of season corn, or maybe you've got a really good quality organic can somewhere. The secret, red enchilada sauce as the base. This is the easiest tortilla soup ever. And I'm posting the recipe with the ingredients and the method on social now at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please grab it, make it your own and celebrate. I will meet you here next weekend when I do promise lots more fabulous food in your radio. I thank you for listening. Please stay healthy. And until next week, I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off and I hope you continue to eat well. Thank you.